Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clinical Signs Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about fleas. It's flea season, and I thought this was a great time to talk about this topic. So, any of you dog and cat owners out there, your animals actually leave the house, the apartment, what have you, are definitely susceptible to bringing in fleas from the outside. So, let's get into the specifics of fleas. So, species-wise, when we're talking about animal species, animals have some of their own specific flea species on them, dogs, cats, rats, etc. Primarily what we're dealing with in, in clinical practice here in veterinary medicine in the United States is, is the cat flea, Canocephalides felis. There is a specific dog flea and there's a specific rat flea. And just from a historical perspective for a moment, a rat flea is what caused the plague in Europe, Black Death. It was also called the fleas carried this organism called Yersinia pestis, which is a bacterium which got into, uh, it was in the fleas. Fleas bite mammals for blood. That's how, they're, the, that's how they feed, basically. And while the flea was ingesting the blood, the organism would be put back into the system, the into the body of the mammal, and in that case it was human beings, and the uh, bacteria would get in and it would swell up the lymph nodes in the neck, and a, a large swollen lymph node, lymph node can be called a bubo, a bubo is spelled B-U-B-O-E, these swollen lymph nodes would start to triangulate people um, I'm presuming that number one, it would shut down, start poking the, uh, cutting off the airway, and number two, restricting the blood supply because these lymph nodes would get so large, and then people would literally turn black. In the modern day, I can't speak about the rest of the world, but in the Western United States, rodents and some cats can carry these rat fleas, and um, or their own fleas, and there is plague that occasionally happens in human beings out in the West when their cats go outside. When a cat transmitted primarily via cats, and the the fleas, the cat fleas will have Yersinia pestis in them. Again, this means that the disease is endemic. It's worldwide. It's an endemic in the United States, in the Western United States, in the dry climate. And people have been, especially veterinarians, have actually gotten plague from sick cats. So the disease is still around. It's obviously not killing people like it was back in the old days because we have what? Antibiotics. And antibiotics will fight off this infection. All right, so more about cat fleas. So fleas really are what we call host-specific in general. They generally want to be on the, the specific host. So cat fleas Primarily want to be on cats, but they can live on dogs. And also, as we'll hear, they can live in the environment to a certain extent, depending on the stage of their life cycle. And people, fleas generally don't live on us, but they will bite us because we're what? A blood meal. And a blood meal is how they survive as adults. So fleas won't live on us, but they will bite us. And just as an aside, a flea bite would just be a small red welt or a very small scab on you, 
that you may or may not notice initially, but depending on if the environment that you're in has a very heavy infestation and something happens to that animal, those fleas are still alive and they're still looking for blood, or the infestation is so heavy, even though you have animals, that there there's so many fleas in the environment and, and on the animals that they're looking for more blood and then they'll come to you. So we are inadvertent hosts of cat fleas. Let's get into the life cycle. When we're talking about Parasites, you need to understand a certain, to a certain extent the life cycle. And the life cycle is, is relatively straightforward. Adults lay eggs, females lay eggs. The eggs turn into larvae, and then they turn into pupa, and then they turn into an adult. So it's a four-stage life cycle. The best environment for development of fleas is they, they need three things. Food, warmth, and, and moisture. Food can be any organic matter, and this could be down in your carpet as an example. Generally, it's warm inside a house, right? As opposed to if you're in the north or the upper uh, Midwest or wherever, it gets very cold. Hopefully, life cycle is going to be somewhat interrupted, or you the environment is a, a very clean environment. And there's no food for the fleas. They're really going to have a hard time developing in that life cycle. And then moisture is also important. If all those three things are met, then the flea life cycle can complete in as little as three weeks. And that's very fast, right? Three weeks is 21 days. So you can get an egg to an adult in three weeks. And adults can generally live for up to several months. I saw up to a year. So we are talking about a multi-month survival of the adult or lifespan of the adult. Now, females need blood to lay eggs. And in general, eggs will hatch in one to two weeks, again, depending on how good the environment is. The eggs can go dormant for up to at least one year in an, in an environment that's not ideal, meaning if it's too dry, if there's, it's not warm, the eggs, they have a shell, and they can just sit there and wait and wait and wait until the temperature is right, until the moisture, to the humidity is, is proper. To mature, we said up to, uh, it could be three weeks, maturity can be delayed again up to one year in less than ideal environment. So these insects... This parasite is really suited to uh, waiting out for the perfect time, depending on the environment, to finish their life cycle. So they're very hardy, as you can see. And the adults primarily live on pets. The adults need that blood, so they're generally spending most of their time on an adult animal. Or, excuse me, on an animal. It doesn't have to be an adult. It could be a puppy. It could be a kitten, what have you. That's the life cycle in a nutshell. And uh, let me talk about clinical signs here. So clinical signs, right? This podcast is called Clinical Signs Podcast. Depending on how heavy the infestation is on an animal, you will see the fleas. Now, fleas are small, only a few millimeters long, only a few millimeters wide. They're generally flat. They're not that thick. Fleas are brown, and they have a hard shell. But they can jump. And they can jump relatively far. Now, I don't, uh, I don't have a statistic that makes everything sound good, like they could jump to the top, top of the Empire State Building or something, you know, relative to us. But they can jump pretty far. But if you look through your animal, if you just start ruffling the fur, especially up by the tail head or at the base of the neck or at the top of the shoulders, just push the the fur opposite to the way it wants to lay, right? So move your hands over the fur and push it up towards the head. And a lot of times you will actually be able to see a flea running around deep down. It would be against the skin. Or lay the animal on its side 
when look at the abdomen, you can spread those rear legs or pull them back slightly. And, and a lot of times you can also see fleas running across the abdomen there. So if you see one flea, that's sort of the tip of the iceberg. Where there's one flea, there's hundreds or thousands. The unfortunate part about all this is the fleas you see in your pet are only 1% of all the fleas in the environment, meaning all those different life cycle stages. So females are laying hundreds, if not thousands of eggs. So where you see one flea, there's thousands of other life stages. The other parts of the life cycle are maturing. So it's always an ongoing process. If you have a couple of fleas, you're going to have thousands of fleas in the environment in different life cycle stages. Another very simple thing to look for is brush your animal, comb your animal, and what we call flea dirt, which is flea feces, which is basically just dried blood. And if you're brushing your animal or combing, and I ideally really like a flea comb to check for this because the teeth on flea comb are very small and very narrow. There's not a lot of gap between them, so it's excellent to actually trap a flea within the teeth of the flea comb. Obviously, if you see a flea jumping around or crawling in a very heavy infestation, then you have an infestation. It's a very light infestation. You may not see a live flea, but you'll see flea dirt. It's going to be very gritty and granular to the feel, and the flea dirt is about the size of a grain of sand. So what you can do is get yourself a paper towel. If you're not sure if it's dirt, a true dirt, or you're not sure what it is, Scrape it onto the paper towel and just put a little bit of water on there. The flea feces will dissolve and it will be a reddish, orangey-ish color. That's indicative of that's blood. So that's how, another way to tell if, if what you're seeing is actually flea feces. Now dirt would just turn, you know, brown. Wouldn't turn red or reddish or orangish. Pitching and scratching. Definitely possible. Some animals are crawling, completely crawling, covered with fleas, and they do nothing. They don't itch, they don't scratch, their skin really isn't red. Some animals, the bite of one flea will cause tremendous itching and scratching because the animal is allergic to the saliva of that flea. So itching and scratching is definitely possible, but not in every case. Seeing fleas is possible, but not in every case. Flea dirt will definitely occur in every case, but less flea dirt in a, in a less heavily infested animal. So let me talk about McDonald's and Burger King. And what am I referring to with that? So at the base of the tail, that's the McDonald's of fleas. This is a little story that I was told when I was in veterinary school by the dermatology professor. And I just love that. So the McDonald's of fleas is up by the tail head. And then the Burger King of fleas is up at the shoulder blades to the base of the neck. So the first place that fleas really like to be is at base of the tail. And then the second place they like to be, sorry, Burger King, is up at the but the shoulder blades and the base of the neck. There is a disease in dogs and cats. So these are true of, so far everything I've said is true of dogs and cats. There is a disease called flea allergy dermatitis, or abbreviated FAD, which is really an allergic reaction to the saliva of the flea. And if you have an animal with a flea allergy dermatitis, the bite of one flea can just trigger the animal to start really basically going crazy, tearing its skin apart, scratching, itching, almost nonstop. And what do we see with the uh, flea allergy dermatitis? What are the clinical signs? We have alopecia, which is hair loss. We have erythema, which is redness of the skin. We have scaling. You're having inflammation inside the layers of the skin. You're going to get scabbing, right? Some of that is from scratching, itching, and chewing by the animal. Some of that is going to be from the inflammation. 
that the animal's body is releasing when it's stimulated by the proteins in the Feliz saliva, you're also going to have an can get a skin infection on top from the bacteria in the skin now being able to permeate down through the layers of the skin. You're going to get scabbing and then constant scratching. And generally, when animals are very allergic, they're even going to scratch very heavily during the night. They're really not going to be able to sleep very well. Now, in a very light infection, you may see little to nothing, and your only clue might be the occasional scratching, which most animals are going to do, but hopefully you'll be able to, number one, take your animal, if it's got any of these clinical signs, take them to your veterinarian. Number two, hopefully you have been using some sort of preventative and or treatment, which we'll get into a little bit later. And the only sign that might be seen is flea dart. Or if the infestation is heavy enough, you're going to see live fleas. Or you're going to see all these allergic disease problems, skin problems. Now, in animals that are very heavily infested for a very long period of time, if you think back for a second, I told you that fleas suck blood. If the infestation is heavy enough, that means there's so many fleas on the animal that they can cause anemia in an animal, and that means that the animal is going to be pale, it's going to be weak, it's going to be lethargic slash lazy. Anemia is loss of red blood cells, hemoglobin, and as we learned from the hypoxemia podcast, that means oxygen. It's not going to want to get up and look around. The last case I had in veterinary school was an animal that I believe was a cocker spaniel. Dog was so heavily infested with fleas, the fleas were literally crawling all over its skin. It was it was rather disgusting. I felt really bad for the animal, and the animal's mucous membranes, its gums were pale because it had it had had so much blood sucked out of it that it was just very weak. And the animal went into hypo, uh, really basically hypovolemic shock because it didn't have enough oxygen in its body. So yes, animals can actually be killed by the anemia from the fleas. And the easiest way to do that is look at your animal's gums. So fleas do carry, as we mentioned, uh, they can carry yersinia, which is cause of plague. So inside the flea, our gum fleas carry tapeworms. Those are called diplidium, the egg of the diplidium tapeworm. And inside the flea, the flea is not injecting that into the animal, but what's happening is when the animal is chewing, it's ingesting some of these fleas, and then what happens is the tapeworm develops inside the animal's intestines, and sometimes you'll see an animal scooting. Again, it's not the reason for all animals to scoot, but they might have tapeworm segments, which sort of look like just little, they're white, they're actually alive. The segments are egg baskets, meaning that inside that segment are hundreds of other of eggs of tapeworms. So you never want to crush that. Uh, generally, if you see it, you have to be very careful about how you remove it. Use paper towel or tissue, and I would discard it and thoroughly wash your hands. So that means that that animal has tapeworms. So that means you need to go to your veterinarian and get proper tapeworm treatment. So the tapeworm eggs are inside the flea. And the cat or dog will ingest that flea, and then that flea dies, but the egg is then goes on to have its own life cycle and living in the intestines. There is a rickettsial disease. Rickettsia are, again, they're a specific type of bacterium. There is rickettsia typhi, which is a rickettsial disease in rodents, possums, carried by rodents, possums, and skunks, and then the fleas will bite the rodent, possum, or skunk, and then it's possible, depending on, you know, if you are exposed or your animal gets 
gets uh, by chance some of these types of fleas, they can pass that on to people. So zoonosis, zoonosis is a disease transmittable from animals to human beings. And there's also rickettsia felis, which is a cat-specific disease. The fleas are biting the cat, right? They're sucking blood. The rickettsial organism lives inside the flea, and then they can bite. the fleas can bite us, and then we can get these diseases transmitted to us. And the symptoms for these diseases, not specific per se to this disease, but it could be a rash, it could be a fever, and you can have gastrointestinal signs. Now, animals, dogs and cats, are susceptible to rickettsial diseases, and they can have all sorts of problems. They can have problems with clotting of blood, they can have fevers, they can have joint problems, they can have GI signs. So it's not very specific. You have to take a you have to take some diagnostic testing. You have to take some blood to to diagnose the problem. But luckily again, if you think back to when I talked about the plague, these organisms would be susceptible, will be are susceptible to antibiotics that we have today. So let's talk about treatment and prevention. Right? That's fairly ubiquitous here, meaning it's all over meaning it's all over the place. You even see well we'll see ads on television, at least I'm sure magazines, what have you. So the part of the life cycle that's most susceptible to insecticides are adult fleas and the larva. The eggs and the pupa are not susceptible. The eggs are covered by the shell and the pupa has a coating around it. I believe it's a waxy coating, so it's not susceptible. And the pupa's not actually eating anything. The larvae are eating and the adult fleas are eating. So they can ingest those chemicals to, so that they can be killed. But the eggs and the pupa can be susceptible through the adult to a growth regulator. And some of the products that are out there, the oral products, have growth regulators in them. So if your pet is on product that impacts the growth, of the uh, the eggs and the pupa, the adults ingest that, and then the egg and the pupa will not be able to fully mature, so that will also break the life cycle. All that we're trying to do is break the life cycle. So there's multiple different topical drugs and oral drugs. I'm not going to list any one in, in particular because they're very easy to look up. Your veterinarian has large has a has a vast array of products to choose from. There's products available over the counter. So you do have quite a bit. There's collars. There's all sorts of different products out there. And there are also what's called premise treatments. Now, depending on how how infested your property, your house is, you may need to treat the outdoors and you may need to treat the indoors. So we need to break the life cycle. There's several things that can be done here. Number one, you can apply appropriate topical preventative treatment to all your dogs and cats in the home. You need to follow all manufacturer label instructions. Indoor-only pets, you should apply treatment for a minimum of four to six months, and that's an animal that's not going outdoors. It is possible for an animal, for us to bring in a flea. Just like I said, we would be an inadvertent host, but if you're outdoors, you can certainly pick up a flea from, from a rodent, from a skunk, from a possum. And any animal that is outdoors at all, even one time, depending on your environment, so if you're in the southern United States, you definitely need to keep Keep up the prevention at least monthly all year long. If you're up in the north, you can treat through the first frost, basically, meaning your animal is much less likely to contract fleas in a very cold environment. But if you have a winter that's that's sort of a middling winter where you're not getting very cold temperatures, then it's best to use the prevention. Prevention is much simpler than treatment. 
You want to try to prevent these problems as much as possible. To thoroughly and repeatedly, at least monthly, vacuum, clean and vacuum the home environment, but make sure that you discard any vacuum bag or clean out your vacuum bag because there's a tremendous amount of organic matter in that bag and it might just be the perfect environment for if you're pulling up wee eggs, pupa or larvae for them to form into adult fleas. So you always want to clean out that bag or whatever the container is on the, on the vacuum. You may need to apply a home treatment, right? There's multiple fogs and sprays. There are also commercial services that will treat your home for fleas. And again, you have to follow manufacturer's instructions on the use of the chemicals. And then I had mentioned purchasing a flea comb. A flea comb is a great thing even for a dog because you can monitor how well the, the products are working and you are compliant with actually uh, administering the products to your pet. So at least weekly, you want to comb your pet if you have an infestation to check for fleas and or flea dirt. Good luck, and I hope you never have to deal with a flea infestation. Take care, and I'll see you again soon.